Welcome to Living in the Matrix. I'm Jonathan, and I'm left of center. And I'm Rich, and I tend to lean a little bit more to the right. But the bottom line is, is together, we try to look for the balance of what it means to be human in today's world. Yeah. All right, let's get started, everyone. This is uh, Welcome to Living in the Matrix. I'm Jonathan. This is my co-host, Rich. Say hello, Rich. Hey, everybody. Hope everybody's having a great week and uh, looking forward to this podcast and uh, weekends upon us. Yeah, I have been looking forward to this one. Uh, so today we have uh, Lindsay Karakart. Did I say that right? Karakarty. Karakarty. Awesome. And she is a mental projector uh, and she discusses ascending and awakening. And she has this podcast called The Matrix Detox. We're very much aligned. We're very looking forward to having you on. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I'm happy to be here, too. Super excited to dive in and see what we come up with to talk about today. Absolutely. Okay, so why don't we start by we um, we named this Living in the Matrix because Rich asked me the question, do you think we're living in a simulation? And I said, yes. And so we just began by talking to people who kind of had that sense of of discussion. And we're pretty fairly convinced we are. <laughs> uh, both physiologically from a scientific level and also from a physiological world. And so what is your understanding of the matrix and how did it, sh how, where did you, what shaped your definition of it? Yeah, I love that. Um, and I definitely totally agree with you guys like that. It's, you know, and I always think about the, the quote, what is it like life imitates art or does art imitate? Uh, yes. There's just yeah. like, <laughs> the circle. And and so for me, you know, I wasn't always so uh, kind of aware and empowered in my life. I spent a lot of years in a lot of disempowerment and very, 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 you know, just hijacked by this thing called the matrix, this life. Mm -hmm. And so, but then as I started to awaken and I started to see, and I started to just expand in my consciousness, it just became so obvious for me that like, first of all, there ha and I went through all the phases of like, oh, there's no God, you know, there is a God, there is a divine presence, there isn't, I had to have all those battles within myself, mm -hmm. until I came to the place where it's like, okay, I can no longer like deny that there is some intelligence running, running the show, there's obviously an intelligence and all of these things that, um, you know, some people like to write off as coincidences, I'm like, there's just too many synchronicities and too many things and too many patterns that are constantly repeating themselves that it just became so obvious to me that there is this perfectly designed thing that we are experiencing that perfectly and so accurately wakes us up. Mm -hmm. And reflects back to us, you know, and, and I remember back in the day, like when the Matrix movies came out, you know, watching those and being in the theater and being like, oh, like this is really, you know, and it kind of like just striking a chord. Mm -hmm. And then as I went on through my life and I went deeper and deeper into my awakening and down the rabbit hole of consciousness and all of those things, it just, it just started to, it's like that visceral feeling of like, this is the this is the truth, right? When you just, Not just know intellectual, yeah, it's it's, yes. it's literally it's passing through you. It's like, even like if, what's crazy about Neo when he takes that um, that protocol that when he takes the red pill, it's a digital kind of tracking device so that they could actually go rescue him. I mean, it, it it literally looks like it's going through him and he's doing this, but it's actually, I mean, crazily enough, 
it, it's it's in his head, right? Because it's a digital projection of a mental projection of his digital self, right? And so, exactly. but yet at the same time, it's right there, right? And and then you realize that it, it's it's all it's both, right? It's both and, right? Both and, yes, yeah. hundred percent. So, Lindsay, what did you grow up? Where? What was your thought process growing up? Was it atheist, Christian, Catholic? What What was your thought? Buddhist? What? Yeah, no. So I was born into a Catholic family. I come okay. from uh, quite a mix, a little bit of Italian, mm-hmm. Cuban, uh, okay. Scottish, you know, so, so a lot of Catholicism. And um, I heavily rejected that after my teenage years. I was like, absolutely not. Because I remember being a kid and going to mass and just feeling like the judgment and the hypocrisy in there. And even as a kid, before I even understood being like, okay, this doesn't make sense. They keep talking about God, but why is everybody judging each other? Right. Yeah. No, but here's my take on that. I, Cause I'm contemplating that exact idea right now. Christianity has missed grace for 2000 years. Yeah. And, and it's waking up to grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, it, it's beginning to realize grace is the only way everybody wins. That is effectively consistent with love. And I am, how, where did your awakening start? What really triggered that to say, okay, screw Catholicism. What's next? <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Well, so, so from about the time I graduated high school until okay. I was about 33, I really struggled with, with addiction, drug addiction. Did you go to Catholic high school? Uh, no. So I didn't okay. go to any Catholic school. I went to public school and you know, my family wasn't overly like religious. It was like, we were like the one, you know, we would go to the mass on Christmas Eve. Of, of course. Yep. Sure. Easter. Yep. I did all my little, uh, my confirmation, my communion. I did all of those things. Um, but it, it was always very just like, I'm just going through the motions. I was not deeply connected to it. Um, and then, yeah, like I struggled, I struggled with a lot of anxiety, depression, drug addiction, alcoholism. And it wasn't until when I started trying to get sober in my twenties. What was your drug of choice? Uh, so heroin. Lindsay, and what was your drug of choice? Yeah. Cocaine. Okay. Wow. Yeah. 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 Alcohol, all of them really, but those. Yeah. To to me, heroin is, heroin is like going to to Mars. It's a completely different experience. And that's part of the allure of it. I used drugs heavily in college. I was addicted and I actually overdosed. And it's the, because here's the thing in that process of not awakening, you have to have a coping mechanism. Yeah. That's why drugs are so relearning. I appreciate you sharing that because what people demonize drugs and when you look at them as a coping mechanism, it it allows you to put them where they should be, which is okay. They're supposed to take care of the short term, but they don't take care of the long term. Totally. Would you say, would you say that it started off as a coping mechanism or actually as pure exploration? Because I know, like, if you think about Jim Morrison, right? Yeah. Jim Morrison, I think escaped through alcohol, right? We, we see him in the movie, but at the same time he, he wanted to break on through because I believe he almost intellectually and, 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 and spiritually wasn't content with this world. He wanted more. And I think the psychonauts that people are the ones that are willing to go down the path of LSD in the early fifties and sixties, they were and like Timothy Leary. I don't know if he was doing LSD thousands of times to cope or if he was just really trying to break through a different realm and you think about music, musical um, artists, the f- most famous artists that were influenced by this. And so yeah. did you, did it start off for you as a coping mechanism or did you also have an exploratory journey to say, what the hell's else out there? You know, tell, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think both, definitely both. Yeah. 
Um, because I, I was definitely, you know, in my teenage years, I was definitely one of those people that was like, I'm not going to say no to anything. You know, I'm just here to like, try, I just want to have the full experience. So I was definitely impulsive. I was definitely reckless. And then it very quickly became a coping mechanism because I, I started to discover that like, when I had these substances, especially the heavy duty ones, it was like, I didn't have to deal with the overwhelming, like emotion and, and angst and just the heaviness of all of my thoughts and the pressures inside of myself. Mm. It's it one of the liberation. Yeah. It's one of the primary values of drugs, mostly illicit or psychedelic is that they allow you to feel what it's like to be human or what you think humanity should feel like. Yeah. And it's like, it's pretty damn good. You know, it's like, it's not, it's not purely escape. It's also about experience. Totally. I yeah. agree. Totally. Okay. So where did your awakening kind of take you to? Transcend that. Yeah. What, yeah. What's next? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when I like tried getting sober in my twenties, I would have these moments where I would come back to like spirituality uh, at that point, I was still very much like, oh, I'm like, a, 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 I'm an agnostic, you know, I, can't, I won't admit that there's like God, but I think that there's something. Um, and I was very drawn into nature, but it wasn't until my early 30s that I actually had like a full spiritual awakening and I got sober and it was literally like overnight, I had just gotten myself to such a terrible low point where I had almost died, you know, I was practically on death's doorstep can't believe I didn't overdose. Something kept bringing me back. And I had this moment where it was like overnight, all of my entire perspective on life shifted. And it was like, I said, like just surrendered to the higher intelligence and I stopped fighting, you know, and that was really the moment of like awakening for me where then I started to like bring in all of these like various books would come my way. You know, in the beginning, it was a lot of yoga, a lot of Buddhism, mindfulness, you know, that kind of spirituality um, that wasn't so dogmatic, but was helping me to understand like there is something so much more than just this physical, you know, realm that I was trying to make sense of. So that's where it really took off. And that, that was about 10 years ago now. Who, looking back, who would you say is one person that really influenced you? Like the thing that kind of turned the wheel for you? I would probably or a book. Say, yeah, or something. That, was, what was everywhere I was going was a book, and, and it's going to be so. Pema Chodron, she is a Buddhist monk, and mm -hmm. she writes these books, and she has a book called um, "The Places That Scare You." Oh, it, oh wow. it found me, right? Like this book came. Well, it just me. found me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just cannot forget opening this book and reading these passages. Like, like she was just speaking directly to me. And, and it was wow. the first time in my life. I felt like someone understood like what I had been going through and what I had felt and why I was so overwhelmed. And I'm like, you know, like she's like this little old Buddhist monk, and she's just so fun. And she talks in such like a relatable way. It totally like, you know, when you, you know, when you meet somebody or you read something <laughs> or you find something that challenges like your whole paradigm about something. <laughs> so she was that for me. And she challenged my whole paradigm about anything religious, which just cracked me open to so much more. But what well, made I love it, it safe? Yeah. What, what was made that? It feel safe? What made it feel safe for you? I think it was, it, it, it was so in reading her words, I, for the first time in my life, 
was finally like, there's nothing wrong with me. Like if this person is like a Buddhist monk and she gets this and she's talking about it, like it's so normal, all of this stuff I had in my head that I thought like I, I had so much shame and self judgment yeah. and like I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. The world mm -hmm. is judging me because I was judging myself. All of a sudden it was like, there's actually nothing wrong with me. And of I think course. that was the foundation for, for it, you know, me to start feeling safe. And then of course I went, you know, deeper into all of my healing and stuff like that, but that's where it started. I love it. Um, one of the things that, that reminds me of is you can tell that this woman has a gift and she's, she's tapped into the source because the way that book affected you meant true intentionality and, and, and true energy that flowed through the book. You look at the, the Tao, right? You look at even the Bible, you look at um, Marcus Aurelius's meditations and the impact that they've had. And when you go in and you read those passages, it's, it's not just an intellectual understanding of the words. You literally can feel the presence of, of the lived power and, and what, what's been pushed through. I mean, Latsu, you know, who wrote the Tao, you know, you could just tell. I mean, they actually said he was born. John, I was going to ask you about this because they said when he was born, he had this funny story about being born with a beard. It means like old boy is what his name means. I was thinking the curious case of Benjamin Button, who right. was born, and he literally lived like a Tao life, right? He just took what happened, right. just rolled with the waves, kind of just accepted what it was. It was such a crazy juxtaposition of, of ideas, but those are the kinds of things that I, I'm searching for, right? Those things where you find a great book or you meet a good person and you actually feel the knowledge of transference, not just intellectually, but it literally goes through you like Kairos, right? Like you're, it's not just linear time like Kronos, but it's Kairos. It's, it's living through you. And I, I just find that fascinating. So what, what were a couple of the um, things you learned out of the book? Because you fascinated me and Jonathan in the book already. Know, what were some of the two or three time. things? Yeah, what were the thing, couple things that really just resonated yeah. with you that you would like to share? So there's a line that still literally sticks in my head that, that I remember reading it where she writes about that the nature of like being human is that we are warriors that are being trained to sit with discomfort and discontent. And that instead of it's it, that was so profound for me because obviously my my drug use and my journey it was all avoidance. So then all of a sudden here was somebody telling me that no, actually the thing that I'm trying to avoid is my training. <laughs> it know, was a babble. No, yeah, that is avoidance. Like, but 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 you're creating the actual war. There is warfare, right? You're trying to avoid it, but you can't. You're in the middle of the trenches, right? It's so yeah. crazy. And I just like it, like that hit me like a dart right in the heart. It was that. And then, um, she, she breaks down, um, like all of these cycles of how we create our own suffering. And it's just, I was so ready to hear that because it was like in my awakening and my, my expansion of my consciousness, it was like, I was so ready to understand that I was not a victim of life, that I was creating all of it. And so when she would break down all the various ways, cause you know, Buddhism, like that's their whole, right. It's like how we create our own suffering and being all in the samsara and everything else. And I just was like, where has this been all my life? Like, where has this teaching been all of my life? You know, that that's it's just it's 100 percent the grasping, the clinging, the aversion, you know, all of those those aspects of the Buddhist teachings that she was breaking down. And I was just like, 
I literally felt like this person had been watching me through my life and that she was like writing this book based on all the crazy shit that I had. Sorry. And I hope it's okay. Amazing. if I yeah, no, bombs all the time. You can say, yeah, yeah. this is a free, un, 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 it's a totally safe space here. You can say whatever the heck you want to. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. I literally just felt like she had written this book, like watching me. And within a moment of reading it, I was like, I'm, I am not crazy. I am actually, this is all happening perfectly. You might not have been ready for it earlier, right? Yeah, in your 30s too, right? I mean, that, what a crazy age, right? We see about the spiritual awakening at, in your 30s. Jesus really didn't start preaching until, you know, I think he was in his 30s, right? That's what they say. I'm not, I'm not sure about that, but who yeah, knows, Saturn right? Return yeah. at 28, 29, Saturn return happens, and that's like a whole thing within ourselves, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, at the point of your awakening, when you because you're, you're suffering, of creating your own, I, I completely agree. We create our own suffering to wake up to that reality and realize, oh, I don't have to create suffering. And when I do, I actually can enjoy life amazingly. That's the thing that, what happened for you? How did it turn for you from this old way of living to a new way of living? What did that look like? Yeah. So like I said, so there was, there was a very distinct, profound moment where, um, a huge shift happened for me. And, and that was when I, you know, I was, I was sitting in this yard where I had gone for detox and I was trying to decide what I was going to do next. If I was going to go home or if I was going to surrender and go to this longer term program. And, I am freaking out and I am crying and I'm like chain smoking cigarettes. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And there's like this beautiful blue sky and I'm sitting there and I'm looking up at the sky and I'm like, like, and I like literally said to myself, like, just guide me. Right. I'm done. And from that moment on, it was like, I went from being this very like, stubborn, <laughs> hard-headed, like I know what's best. I was very angry to just being open to like, I will do whatever people suggest. And from that moment on, it became like this, this like slide of just various like people, teachers, books, you know, and I started off doing a 12-step program because that mm -hmm. felt right for me at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and that you know, helped me get a really good foundation of life, not using drugs and alcohol. So that's where I really started to like learn to, you know, be vulnerable and actually ask people for help and let people guide me. Because before that I was very shut down to, you know, just this like negative interpretation of people, right? Everybody's out to hurt me, all of that. So that's where I really started to learn that. And then it was like, I just was so open. It was like God spirit source was just mm -hmm. working in every moment. And that's where I really started to see like all of the synchronicities. That's where I really started to see like the power of my thoughts, right? Because I would think something and it would happen. And you know how you have like that moment where you're like, what, like, did I really just create that? Mm -hmm. And like, it becomes so obvious that you are creating it and that the world is reflecting back to you, you know, perfectly. And, and in that first year, especially of my sobriety, I did a lot of, um, really deep, like just self-reflection and like, 
spiritual, psychological work on myself, you know, where I really, really, really dove into my own mind and my own programs and, and really got, that's why I said at the beginning, I love the curiosity because that's what it was for me. Mm -hmm. It was like, I became curious about everything in life and internally, instead of like shutting it down and judging it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's the switch in the brain. Yeah. People start judgmental. They yeah. start from a place because, you know, from a baby, you're born into life and it's not always friendly. And so it's easy to become judgmental. It's almost a survival state. Yeah. And totally. to release yourself from that space and shift back into curiosity, it's not only more life giving, it's a lot easier. You know, it's like, it's hard to judge yourself in the world around you because we get it wrong all the time. We sure do. All the time. Well, but you're but you're right. We actually have to learn the the, the fear because as a baby, you don't have that, right? You're just pure awe. You need we healthy talk. fear. Yeah, you need we, basically. That's true. That's, that's true. Because I, 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 that's a great question, Rich. Because I think you know the the consciousness of what life, like, what is the purpose of the amygdala? That's the thing that protects you. This is the thing. And what is its real job is it's basically to keep you from doing really stupid things that will harm yourself. That's it. That's mm -hmm. all it really needs. Like it's watching for the rock or the car that may be coming at you, but it's mostly like, don't hurt yourself. Right. And if we can back it off controlling your life to just playing that part, now it's like, we don't have to kill the ego. Let's redeem it so it can play its normal part. Right. And that is to protect you from normal things. And then there is an act of God, but it's mostly about that. And then from there you shift to curiosity. It's like, okay, I can, it's only in the space of curiosity that you can see the synchronicity. Yes. Yeah. Cause that's where it allows you to see the dots yes. connecting. Because yes. if you don't now, if you're you, judgment, can't, you can't, yeah, yeah you, right. you can't get conspiratorial and you can try to set things up and try to false predict things. And you're always looking for that next thing. We see that a lot with the Q kind of movement and stuff. And a lot of stuff you see on the, on the, on X today has a lot of these things, these drops that are just going to happen in the storm. But at the same time, if you really are connected into that, into the source and, and you're not distracted, so there is a difference between trying to self-fulfill things without truly, truly being aligned. Right. So when we yes. talk about manifestation, we do know that our hearts and our, our head needs to be aligned on that intentionally, willfully. Dr. Joe talks about that, right? Hawkins. Yeah. But um, you, you can, you can, if you're missing a component of that, if your heart isn't aligned with your head and, and you've got that kind of divine feminine and masculine working you know, at your disposal, then you are probably going to get a little confused and start second guessing, right? I love that you guys brought that up because like one of the biggest things that stands out to me with all of like the, the, <laughs> the, the community that's like truthers, right. Or the awakened community whatever, right. Like beyond labels, but everybody has something they identify with. But what is how we describe? Yeah. It's like one of the biggest things I see out there is like a, a really big lack of discernment, right. It's like, so, so you think you're awake, but you're still needing someone to tell you what to think. Right. And that's not like, you're just talking when we have that connection and we're genuinely like aligning ourselves with that consciousness of source of oneness of Christ, God, whatever you want to call it. It's like, you start to be able to see like, as you're navigating it and instead of reacting and judging things, it's like you get curious and you're like, okay, something about this 
doesn't feel correct or something about this isn't right. It's getting my attention because it's like all of the time. I get people on some of my content that say the wildest things. Like they'll see one of my tattoos and they'll be like, you know, Oh, who's she working? And it's like, Oh my gosh. Like you're literally seeing this filter everywhere. It's like, you're literally closing yourself off to some of the most powerful expansive messaging because you're blinded by what, like you said, trying to force this prophecy, whatever to be fulfilled. It's wild Mm -hmm. to watch. Uh, it's trying. It's happening now. People want this perfect red heifer to be. If you go back to the, the 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 people who want the rapture to happen, they're trying to find the perfect red heifer so that it could be sacrificed, so the temple can be rebuilt, and then we could do all those silly things in the Book of Revelation. Um, that you know, for a lot of people, should be taken more symbolically and not literally. Um, as you know, especially when. Jesus supposedly came and took away all the sacrifices, right? So well, that's a different path. But I, I, I love exactly where you're going um, in, in, in all this regard. But I did want to touch on something you, you talked about in one of your posts. And that was this idea that you can be caught under somebody's spell. So, um, and I think that as, even, even if you think about a massive, if you go think about Burning Man, there is vibration. And if you think about like, um, like, house music and people are really feeling good and they're kind of high let's say they're rolling they're Mm -hmm. actually in that and there is really good positive energy but at the same time and i don't know if this is conspiratorial but like when taylor swift gets up on stage and she's on a cube which is saturn and people are freaking just she's feeding off of that energy and my friend was telling me this and i'm like wait a minute maybe that's not off like we see the cubes all over the place and is there is there something to that right so the question is yeah, right. So is that a real thing where people are like, listen, I, I love this power. I love being at the center of this. And I'm all these people are screaming, loving me and adoring me. And I'm going to soak that up. Right. Is that not accurate? I don't know. It's so accurate. I mean, I think that's okay. so it's one of the things that I've really, really, really like reflected and contemplated on because, you know, as someone doing business online, I mean, you guys know, right. You have a podcast, you have social media, right. You, you have a message you're sharing out there. And in the digital world, it's like, I totally, when I started my business as a coach, as a mentor, and I was putting my stuff out there, I was caught in this, like, this spell, if you will, of like, it, I, I, oh, like, let me try to be famous, right? And then as I was going about my path, I started to realize very quickly, like, it's, it's not about that. And nobody that's like bringing my message, bringing what I talk about is ever going to be like, quote unquote, famous on that level, because there's something and it never quite sat right with me. When you look at the level of fame that some celebrities achieve, there's nothing organic about that. No, correct. There's nothing. It's not organic. It's it's not um, it's not happenstance either in many ways, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's just so orchestrated, and it is. It's like such a spell, and it's such a. It's like a loop. It's like a. It's like a manufactured loop because, at, in our truest like self, right? Like when we really connect with the, our divine selves, and we're in that higher consciousness, it's like. There is nothing outside of you that would bring that level of like adoration and obsession and like just the craziness that you see with like fans it's of crazy. things like that. You know and what it's I changing mean? changing a lot, right? I mean, we're literally looking at her changing the trajectory of, a, of an election and right. everybody's thinking, okay, 
at the end of the game, Kelsey's going to get down on his knee and he's going to propose to her, right? And and imagine what it did for the NFL. I mean, the NFL is just going bonkers now. No way in hell we're going to let the more. Ravens win. We're going to have the Chiefs there. We're going to have Taylor there, all the Swifties. Imagine what that's going to do for eyeballs and advertising. It's all part of the pattern, right? She was worth right? $200 billion. My all what? Yeah. $200 yeah, that's billion? That's how much oh, impact she had on the NFL. Gosh. Yeah. Wow. And imagine, yeah. imagine the energy outside of politics cost of like what the the energy that is being mm-hmm. taken and used. Incredible. Yeah. Talk about the Matrix, right? Everybody sitting in their pods, turning um, energy to feed the freaking machine all over. I mean, this is oh. just a, it's just another parallel cycle, another story. It's just the Lindsay, same freaking thing. Yeah, Lindsay, let me ask you this question. What, who do you think is the matrix or what is the matrix in your view? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's us. I think we are it. I think it is a perfect creation that, that it like, because again, so I spent time where I felt like, no, 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 you know, it's separate and somebody's controlling it. And it is like this thing that we have to fight against. And the more I sat with that and the more I started to like explore the word matrix and the root of it and the etymology of it, it actually comes back to, um, connection with like mother energy and womb energy and like womb space. Yeah. Cleveland talked about this. Yeah. It's our space to wake us up to our potential. All that's of awesome. it. Mm-hmm. See, that's a positive way to look at it. I, that's what I appreciate about what you're on your videos is it's very easy to go negative and dark with Wait. the matrix because you get <laughs> it's the blaming part, which doesn't really do a lot. To call out the best part of it is really what I think is the value. And that's what you do really, really well is you call out what happens when you step out of the matrix? What does life feel like? That's all I do. You know, I just say this is what life looks like when you aren't controlled by that mindset. Yeah. When you're not constantly in the cycle of just reaction and, and when you recognize like your power as a creator and you know, the first, <laughs> I always joke. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah. Every time you think you get to the basement of the rabbit hole, the trap door falls out and there's like another layer, right? You find another layer of something you thought was one way. And then you find out it's actually another way. And so in one of those moments where I was like in like a full existential crisis because <laughs> it was, it was like right at the beginning of COVID. Um, and I forget, Oh, Oh, oh. so it was like, I had this moment where all of these people that I knew were all of a sudden like rejecting all of these teachings. And they were, they were all going running back to like Christianity and dogmatic like church teachings. And I was like, Oh, this is really interesting. And of course, the way that I am, when I see something like that happening, I start to then question myself. And so mm-hmm. I had this whole moment where I had to really like look at everything that I was buying into and everything that I was believing. And I had like unpacked this whole program of like, oh my God, am I getting it wrong? Am I going to go to hell? Like, am I going to fuck it up? Right. And I had to go back right. in. And that was when I started rereading the Bible, but from a more metaphysical perspective Mm -hmm. rather than a dogmatic perspective. And I started to find that like, okay, I didn't have to reject any of it because that's when I could really see my consciousness like evolving more into oneness and out of separation. But before Mm -hmm. that, 
I had the moment where it was like, I was like ready to like full go to war, right? Like I was the government and the this and the that and the, the slave masters. And I was just like, so, and I had to go through that process, right? I had to like identify that inner victim within myself. And I had to let it is that- a victim mindset. That, that's yeah. a victim mindset. And yeah. I'm glad you called that out. It, but yeah. this is this so, so incredible, um, Jonathan and, and Lindsay, because um, we had a guest on just last week um, who talked about, he used to read the Bible the same way, but he realized that the Bible is more a reflection of himself. When I was an apologist, I would find those particular passages in the Bible that justified my position, as opposed to letting the freaking intentionality and the spirit of what's in the Bible speak all the grace and the and and and, and truth like that. <clears throat> but more importantly, even than that, going back to the Matrix, what was really nuts is that Neo was in the Matrix. He was bound by the rules of the machine. He went back to the authoritarian thing, which your friends you just talked about went back to the dogmatic thing. And when he stays in that particular place, he can't beat um, Morpheus in the in the simulation. Only when he realizes he's extant from that and he's greater and he starts to realize that he is the one, is he able to not only dodge bullets, but don't forget, he says, you won't need to, right? And he just stops them dead, but it gets yes. even better. He goes beyond um, even that dichotomy of the machine. And we talked about this too, Jonathan, a couple a week ago. He goes beyond the dichotomy of the humans in Zion and the machine. He actually joins forces with the machine to come up with a third way to take out the rogue person who's causing destruction for everybody. Right? Agent Smith was the, become the real virus as right. he starts to replicate himself. So when he when he finally let go and realized this is the case, that's good. We still, I think, because there's so much uncertainty and because so many people haven't really vibrated or elevated, mm. they still need that authoritarian person to show them the certainty because living the in uncertainty is not fun, is it? It's it's not fun when yeah. when you can't be comfortable in who you are and, and how you're loved and, and how powerful you can be, right? Yeah. You can get glimpses of it, and he did, but then ultimately he got there. And so I think so many of us are still in those earlier stages where we still need to go back to what's known, even though we know what's wrong. Like Cypher goes back into the matrix with his stake. He goes, I don't care. Make it go away. I'm going to give up everybody. And he's there with agents with eating his steak, drinking his wine, smoking a cigar. He knows what's the, he knows what the best thing to do is. And yet he still wants to go back, right? He went, plug me back in, make me forget everything that just, that just happened. Crazy. <laughs> it's Lindsay, um, <laughs> what was the did you struggle to go in and out of the matrix because what i'm realizing is the matrix is two places almost in your brain you're in it or you're mm -hmm. out of it mm -hmm. and did you struggle with going falling back into it and kind of really yeah. so the biggest thing for me my biggest teacher has been money and business and oh, wow and learning how to, because I would, I would have all of this profound understanding and this liberation. And mm -hmm. then I would go and I would try to like work on my business or marketing or right. Like, and I would get sucked right back into this idea that like, well, I have to do it this way, right? Like here's the way that you get to success and here's how you get to make money and you have to right. follow these steps. And would never work for me. <laughs> and it wasn't until I let that also start to evolve out of any like rules or like that box of the matrix that it actually started working for me. But yeah, it was like anything money related, because for me, I think this is where like our nervous systems come in, right? It's like, 
everybody's got something. And I mean, most of the world is just like in a, in a chronically hijacked nervous system state, right? Like chronically in that like fight, flight, freeze, like, because whatever they're doing, they're not even taking that time to unplug. And I really believe like we can't Mm -hmm. unplug until we get our nervous systems in order. But for me, the one thing that continued to like, just hijack my nervous system was money because it was like some of my programming personally that I'm here to like clear out and evolve through is our relationship with money and abundance Mm -hmm. and prosperity and what that looks like and how we get it and what it takes and all of those things. So hundred percent. Yeah. I kept, you know, I'd have to dip my toe back in, dive in the deep end, spend some time there. Yeah. It's fair. I I mean, yeah. I I appreciate your uh, definition of the matrix. It clarifies something for me because the way you picture it and tell me if this is correct is that the matrix is actually our collective imagination. It's the story we tell ourselves as a world Mm -hmm. and you have a little part of it, but you're collected to the whole of it. And it's not always true because it's very easy to manipulate. Mm -hmm. And who, who are those people that are manipulating it from your perspective? Is there string pullers or is it, it's just, that's the, al- that's the alchemy and the algorithm of it all together. Yeah, totally. I definitely think there's people pulling the strings, you know, I think, and that's where we can start to get into, like, you can trace these people and these family lines back, like all the way through history and through the name changes and through, and for right. me, it started like, when I started to really look at, and I'm like, why does anybody need like actually that much money? Right. Like, and, and that's what really caught my attention was why some of these like groups and corporations and families are so driven by like greed that it's like at any cost, they need more, even though they already have like bajillions of trillions, they need more, they need more. And I got really, really curious about that. And I started to recognize how, you know, through this whole like vibrational, you know, reality and the dimensions, it's like, we have all these layers of various frequencies going closer and closer and closer and back into oneness. We also have those frequencies in the other direction, you know, and there are beings, humans, consciousness is beings of consciousness that are, that are so deep into the separation that there's just no recognition within themselves that they are also an aspect of spirit. It's like, right. And it's like, that's the kind of like the full spectrum of polarity that I feel like I don't really fully understand why it is that way yet. But I definitely, definitely, definitely believe that there are humans on the planet who are, are just so in that, um, that vibration of separation that they are the ones that are, you know, so driven by like survival and greed and domination and power. power. Yeah. The power, because think about anybody who's that driven by power at the core of their being is going to be powerlessness because you don't need to exert Mm -hmm. that much power in the world unless you feel powerless on the inside. You know, when we truly are in our power, we don't have to dominate other people. Did you ever see the girl with a dragon tattoo? Uh, I did, yeah, once I saw it once, okay, and I did you know, read the, you know the movie, right? Yeah, okay, the, the, the book is an amazing book. It's both an amazing book and movie. The story is about a woman who um, gets involved with a reporter that infiltrates a very wealthy family, and what we realize is there are really screwed up family. 
And I think that's the illusion we have of history is that, oh, if you have a ton of wealth, you're, you're dignified. That's not true. That's not true at all. Money, money distorts things to the nth degree. You're Mm -hmm. you're incapable of stopping that process. hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that's the money. That's the, 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 those are, and I, and, and dude, you sent me probably one of the most interesting videos I've seen in a while is uh, I don't remember his name. The one percent controls the four percent. Four percent that controls stops the ninety percent from yes. influencing the ninety percent. That's the war going yeah. on in the matrix. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a brilliant uh, thought. Yeah, yeah. So, so this gal was talking about yeah, the one percent controls everything. The four percent of the puppets, so they appear to have a lot, right? Yes. But they're actually they're they're actually um, you know. They're orchestrating the show. The ninety percent of the ones that are the dummies, the zombies, right? That that's that's the un you know, unawake. And then there's a five percent that are trying to wake up the ninety percent, and the one percent, and the four percent are trying to prevent the five percent from helping the ninety percent, right? And um, yeah, it was a crazy thought, and and these guys were just their minds were blown, and and, and it's and it's brilliant. I guess the question is, um, how do we, I mean, is this, is this the black swan? Is this the Aquarius? Is this the awakening that um, the power is, and we're starting to see it with X. We're starting to see things that normally would have been shut down by the mainstream media are getting exposed, right? There's, I mean, the idea of, of Tucker meeting with Putin, you know, and people talking about that and, and how he got kicked out of Fox and he's got his own thing out. We're not trying to talk about, you know, left and right politics here but overall it does appear that this kind of shift happening and i think you might have even talked about this um on an audio text that you put on instagram about did you feel something happening i almost reached out to you and cleaver and jonathan about a week ago i'm like you guys what the hell is going on i'm fuck, i'm freaking feeling something is going on and and then it just kind of passed right and then it was that but there was i almost reached out to both you guys and you had felt something like on the 29th, maybe yeah. the 30th. Um, yeah, uh, I forget the word. Um, it was the beginning of Age of Aquarius. It was January 20th. Okay. Well, there was this, mer- mer- there was this, ter- there's two things. There there's was a term the, for um, it. Kali yeah. Yuga. There was the Kali Yuga on the 15th, supposedly. Yeah. But then there was the Merc- um, uh, um, Mercata, or there's another thing that happened yes. on the 20th. And I think all it is, is just different semantics for the same general thing that's kind of moving yeah. into into place because we do get caught up on on even time right if time is no thing that why are we actually saying it's actually time for this to happen but <laughs> uh, that being said t- tell us how we help ourselves and others break through and and is it time to start seeing the movement with this Lindsay? tell What's us about the detox what, yeah you talk about the yeah. matrix detox well so you know for me it happened when i started to when i shifted from so like that one percent and that four percent right and then there's like when I started truly seeing it all as one thing and, and really sitting with it from the, from the lens of oneness and being able to say, okay, if, if I truly believe in oneness, if I am truly feeling viscerally that oneness is the truth, then there's mm-hmm. nothing that's not God. There is nothing that's right. not divine. So, right. so I said, you know, can I now look at these quote unquote 1%, these puppet masters, right? Can I look at them and include them in that? And at first mm-hmm. I was like, absolutely not. Rejecting no, it. Right? Yeah. And then I would come back to it and, and it was baby steps in the beginning, you know, and I started to truly understand that like at the core of my being, I believe 
that nothing happens in this universe without our consent, right? I believe if we are participating in something, there is some level of consent. And that's one of the things that gets manipulated in this reality, right? Through Mm -hmm. movies and TVs, like there's a lot of ways we subliminally agree to things that we don't realize we're agreeing to co-create. It's very, very, very subconscious process. And so if I believe that, I had to really start and say, okay, well then, if that's the truth, I'm very logical, right? As a mental projector, there's logic is my jam. So it was like, if that's the truth, well then that these people have no control unless we're consenting to it. So if they're an aspect of us, we don't have to fight them. We simply need to just get in here and address the aspects of our own programming that is continuing right. to consent to being, you know, oppressed and enslaved and, you know, being batteries for this reality. And it's like, we're going to do, I think we are doing that slowly, but surely, you know, it's happening, but I really, really, and that's why like the whole thing, I'm like, you know, instead of revolting against what's out there, make the revolution in your consciousness, you know, be so revolutionary in your own consciousness that you just completely begin to transmute anything within you that feels disempowered, separated, divided, you know, aggressive, enslaved, whatever it is, just address it within. And then naturally we're going to begin to create a reality outside where all of those quote unquote people empowered, it's like they dissolve away because there's just no need for them anymore. There's no energy anymore. Yeah. I love it. Oh my yes. gosh. Yes. And, I, and, I love your analogy of the battery. That to me, back to the matrix, everybody yeah. was a battery. Yep. But the idea of the, the top is sucking out the energy. And that's a great analogy. I love that. Yeah. I, I love just the whole thing. I mean, you, you and, and then, and you know, you've talked about it more um, in, in, in a term called a projector, right? I don't think we've really talked about too much about being a projector. Um, but I think that kind of energy you're just talking about is about the projection, right? How do we take all these things that we know? And I love how you're going on this because we talk a lot about universalism, which in the Christian faith, a Christian universalist actually believes that at the end of time, God will restore all people to himself, right? Even Instead the 1%. Of, even the 1%, the <laughs> right. Hitlers, there. the Idi Amin's, the Pol Pots, even the Zuckerbergs of the world who are testifying in front of Congress. This is, this is, and I still get, this is why I still fall back into the matrix. I'm watching him testify in front of Congress. And this Senator, this Senator or Congressman is looking at him and said, you know, um, it's been reported that, you know, meta actually hurts young girls, whether it's, you know, bulimia or like uh, eating disorders or all kinds of things. And he goes, no, we don't. He goes, well, how about this? This is your own study. This is your own people researching it. And he's still denying it. He is looking at him and he's saying, well, no, that's not what we do. Dude, your own company produced their own findings that it actually is hurting girls outside of the fact that it encourages Mm -hmm. pedophilia, right? Encourages the keywords to come in and actually not only just makes it easy, but actually it it encourages. And and, and, and I look at that and I go, burn, 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 burn. He's looking at these people aloof and smug. And yet at the same time, there's fear, right? You have to, the same thing you mentioned, all these, the Rothschilds, maybe I could just say it out loud, you know, the families that just control so much, right? Um, is it fear? It, they, they have fear back there. In the back of their mind, there's fear, right? And well, it's the yeah. presumption of fear. It yeah. doesn't actually have to be real. It just has to be, you have to think that it's possible. That's it. It's just the presumption yeah. of it is enough to stop yeah. people. Mm-hmm. And because I... Lindsay, I like what you're talking about in terms of the way to win the war is not to fight the 1%. 
it's right. to be the better solution. Right. And the more the more the five percent at the bottom that's waking or woken up, we don't need to convert the ninety. We don't need to change the four or the one. We just need to be a magnifier of what's true. That's it. And I love that idea because anybody can do that. Like yeah. you don't need to change the world. You just <laughs> right. need to change yourself. Right. Right. It's like, I always think of, um, you, you know, they say Nelson Mandela, when he was locked up in prison, he had a quote mm-hmm. that, you know, you can lock me up physically, but you, you know, you can, you can imprison my body, but you'll never yeah. imprison my mind. And all through everywhere we look, it, it is being shown to us, like how powerful our minds are. And, mm-hmm. you know, until when we can finally get to that place where, because that's the thing too, like, when we really get it and I'm not perfect at this. I have my moments where <laughs> I forget and I get pulled in and I react, right. We're all, we're all doing it. But at the core of my being, I feel so truly that like when we understand what we are and we understand our power, there is nobody, there is nothing that has to be convinced, right? Like mm-hmm. any type of like convincing and changing and, like we look at history, there goes my light. We look at history and, uh, you know, we find uh, it's just littered with violence and aggression and war in the name of my beliefs or your beliefs or my God or your God and all of that. And it's like, that just isn't it. You know, I think we're, we're, we're very quickly like evolving to the place where we're recognizing that ain't it. You know, that is not Mm -hmm. it. That is all through our own conceptions of what we think. And until we can get to the place where we can stop immediately going to like violence and aggression and we're seeing it, that's why it's so elevated right now. I firmly believe that, that the reason the, the division, if you will, seems to be so people are always like, Oh, we've never been more divided. And that's like, actually we have been, it's just been very much in the shadows. We just haven't noticed it. But now the, the light of consciousness is so bright, it seems like we're more divided than ever, but actually it's just being revealed because we can't we can't create something different mm. until we look at this and we start saying like, why do we create so much division? Well, it's because we're divided in ourselves, right? We're, we're at war with ourselves constantly. And until we can shift that and we can meet ourselves from the darkest parts to the lightest parts with love and compassion. That's when we'll then create that type of world outside of ourselves as well. Yeah. Lindsay, we got time for about two more questions. So Rich, I'll think about one. Um, You, I I love your stuff on Instagram. So if you uh, listen or follow Instagram, what is your handle on Instagram? So people can find you. Yeah, so it's at I am Lynn's Caracardi. Okay. Come to mine in uh, Much Love Brink and you can find her. She's absolutely, but my question to you is what inspires, because your bent is in helping people detox. What is the, the simple understanding behind why you do that? Why do you spend the time? Because your, your production value is very high, it's very quality. I love what you do. What's your story about that? Why you do that? It's just like there. I, I, there's, there's just no, like it, like it just is. It's like, I can't imagine not doing that. 
You know, it's literally like my calling. It's just like breathing for me. It's like, I have to, (laughs) I just have to, even if I was never getting paid, if nobody ever hired me as, as their coach or their mentor, I would, I would still be talking and writing and doing it. (sighs) Yeah. What, Um, what is, I'm going to sneak one in real quick, Rich, because she answered it really quickly. What is your, um, what is your primary like talking point so people can understand what you really talk about. Like, yeah. What do you really share about most? It's consciousness. You know, it, it is just, it, it is restoring your own personal recognition of yourself as the creator. Just that, that God mm-hmm. self within liberating that God self within. Hmm. Do you have a, re- a retreat coming up? Did I see that something you've got a retreat or maybe that was an older post or do you have something coming up and tell us a little bit about that. And, and, and one of the things, I, the reason I bring that up is you're trying to collect a group of people together. One of the things mm-hmm. I, I do transcendental meditation and yeah. they've been proven when they get a lot of people together and they meditate, you can reduce the rate of crime and they saw, I think they saw something happen in, in Baltimore. And mm-hmm. when, you know, the more and more people get plugged into that kind of transcendental state and they're unified and, it, you know, I don't know if you've ever meditated with somebody together, but I have, and it, and it just effortless and it just feels so good because it's the energy. And that's why Jesus says, whenever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am right there in their midst. Right. So yeah. um, tell us about the retreat and, and what you're hoping to get out of it and, 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 and tell us about it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that you brought up the two or more gathered because that's like, so I have a couple of things coming up. Um, so some of what I do is also too connected to human design, the human design system and all of that. Um, okay. Did I free? Okay, we're good. Sorry. Um, so I have a retreat. Is it me? Uh, I, I don't know. There's been a little bit of spottiness. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's probably mine Sorry. because uh, we've been having snowstorms and our Wi-Fi is not that good sometimes here. <laughs> um, Got it. But. Yes. So I have a virtual retreat coming up. That one is for, it's human design related. So one of the modalities I use um, as I'm guiding people is human design. So that retreat is for human design projectors. And then I also do have a mastermind coming up that is called the consciousness revolution. And that's the one that is really bringing people together over a period of three months to where two or more are gathered, you know, be in our purpose and just raise the energy and raise the frequency and really activate people and bring people together. Yeah. And then hopefully later this year or next early next year, the in-person retreats will come. Awesome. That sounds great. Awesome. That's right. So, uh, Lindsay, this has been everything I hoped it would be. I appreciate you coming. Thank you. Uh, this has been, we love talking about mm-hmm. the matrix and you fit right in. So thank you. I love the story. I love the analogy. Um, you, you, it was about, it was, it was beautiful. It was all tied in and it just, it had brought so many different things together and, and that's, and we're seeing a lot of the similarity. You're a different person. You're unique, but we're talking about the same things. They, they are literally the same things. And the more we talk and the more we bring visibility and the more we learn, the less we fall back, right? And the more we, we move forward, right? Jonathan, we rise to those levels of consciousness and vibration and we can, we can still come back. It's fine. We're human, right? We, we do these things, but then to, 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 to get to that higher level and to see it resonate, to, to see it, um, to co-create it literally in front of us and to see it, it change things, you know, over the next six months to a year, it could be very, it could be very exciting, right? 
I love it. I live for it. And yeah, I've loved being on here. Thank you guys for having me. Definitely. So like I said, so easy and natural. It just feels like, yep, we're, we're all on this soul mission. We're doing this thing and here we go. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, thank you, Lindsay. Thank you to our listeners. This has absolutely been one of my favorites because you've given me so many good nuggets to think about, um, especially, uh, gosh, I, I'm going to have to really churn through this one because this one really hit me in a lot of ideas that you've given me. So thank you, Lindsay. Thank you to our listeners. Please comment, review, let us know what you're thinking. And uh, if you press the follow button, it'd be great. We love all of you. Thank you for being our listeners. This has been another wonderful episode of Living in the Matrix. All right, everybody. Much love.